0: more information. Thank you. Today my guest is Dr. Sharon Saline, who has a book, What Your ADHD Child Wishes You Knew, which is directed at helping parents and their ADHD child come up with a way to collaborate on issues, particularly around uh, school and homework, but it also applies to any of the kinds of things that go on in the home. Dr. Saline, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, David. It's great to be here. Please call me Sharon. And I'm so excited to talk about my book and the five C's of ADHD parenting and other family-related issues regarding um, living with ADHD. It's
0: just so important. In terms of, uh, oftentimes, child with ADHD, of course, they don't know why things aren't working. They're trying really hard, but teachers or parents can't see the results of that and think they're uh, either not intelligent or not working or not motivated. So bringing, particularly parents and kids together in a uh, collaboration, let's figure this out together, is... Uh, is really important. I, in looking at uh, the material on the five C's, I think the kind of underlying basis of uh, strength-based thinking and awareness, attentive awareness, are uh, the, certainly the essentials of
1: where to start. Yes. So strength-based thinking is really leaning into things that your child is good about focusing on those and you know encouraging them and developing them Um, attentive awareness is neutral noticing of your child's behavior when they're on when they're off and and not being triggered yourself as much as you can Mm -hmm.
0: and it seems to me that the A step Well, the first step parent needs to do is step back themselves and look at okay how can I approach this before there's even the discussion with the child to say hey looks like things aren't working the way we are Uh, they are let's look at what we can do to work together on this
1: well yes the five C's are self-control compassion collaboration consistency and celebration and self-control is actually for the parent. parents. You, know, you have to manage yourself first before you can teach your child to do any kind of self-management skills. And I think a lot of times parents want to teach their kids to manage themselves effectively, but they themselves are dysregulated. And that just doesn't work for kids because what happens is if a parent is dysregulated, it's like throwing fuel on the fire that is... building up inside of these kids and so one of the hardest things for a lot of parents is to really be able to zoom out, manage themselves, settle down so they can deal with what's happening with perspective and a thinking brain rather than an overreactive feeling brain and I'm an emotional person, David, and I have to say this has been hard for me, and it was hard for me when my kids were teenagers and sometimes now yeah. that they're young adults is especially hard. But that self-control is critical because it's modeling for our kids what we want them to do but it's also, also allowing us as adults to access our resources at, in the moment when we need them.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One uh, kind of basic three, three parts of um, whether it's responding to what's said or even stop and look at situation is exactly stop, don't go any further, uh, breathe, think about it, then respond. So there's a definite break between the emotions one's caught up in and okay, we have to step back and change this. And it's difficult to change things when you're right in the middle of expressing or feeling that emotion.
1: Uh, It definitely takes practice. Yes, it does. And one of the things it also takes is planning. You have to, you have to actually prepare for these moments. I think a lot of parents go from moment to moment hoping the next one isn't going to occur. Instead of acknowledging these things happen, And we need a plan for when they happen. We need a plan A and we need an alternative. And so, you know, what, when we're, we need, we need some sort of plan for when we're in our home and we need another one for when we're out in public. And then you just have a strategy that you actually talk about with your child. And parents Mm -hmm. will say, well, I don't need to talk about. They need to do what I tell them. And I'll say, yes, but if your child is not on board, they're not going to have buy-in. And that's that yeah. third C, collaboration. So we want to have compassion The kids are doing the best they can uh, with the resources they have available to themselves at any moment, just as we are. And we want to meet kids where they are, not where we expect them to be. Mm-hmm. And in order to meet them where we are, we have to see and acknowledge what their struggles are. So I think it's really important that um, that parents... Are willing to say okay you know when we are all activated we need to do stop think act which I talk about in my book Mm -hmm. you've got to call a pause in the action and for some people that's two minutes for some people that's 15 minutes what's going to happen during that pause and you're going to have a list of activities some parents go to the dollar store and they create a calm me down box with little activities that their kids can do Mm -hmm. during that moment Some teenagers want to go to their room and listen to music. Some people like to draw. I like to go to the bathroom, wash my hands, splash some water on my face, say something encouraging like, you've got this, Mm -hmm. and sometimes some fresh air. But you have to re-regulate your system, and then you come back together for think. And this isn't like a blame game. This is a recalling. What do you think has just happened? And then you discuss what is the next right thing for us to do. So that means we're gonna move in to act. So we're gonna stop, we're gonna think, we're gonna act. The teaching part, the feedback part comes way later. Once the brain is re-regulated, once you're a few hours away from this event, then you can sit down and say, Remember earlier when this happened? Yep. And what could we what could we learn? the next time, or what can we do differently to intervene so that doesn't occur. It's important to do some of this preparation and to write it down, print it out, put it on your refrigerator if you're going to put it on your computer, so that you have a reminder of what to do and where to go, because in those moments when we're triggered, our rationality goes right out the window.
0: Absolutely. Things aren't going through that prefrontal cortex at all.
1: Or not. No, no, the amygdala, the emotional brain, the limbic system is running the show. And, and what gets the, what gets the amygdala back to its position in the emotional brain instead of, you know, piloting the airplane is, uh, actually language, being able to discuss what's happening. In a, in, in a, in a, in a way that's thoughtful and not necessarily hysterical saying, I want this or I need this, but a a language where what do you think is going on right now? And you can't do that until the amygdala is slowed down. And so the step before that is actually breathing exercises and stopping a pause in the action because it can take anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes for that amygdala to regulate.
0: And, and certainly saying, Okay, let's take a break and we'll get back together in twenty minutes or whatever. Because I can That's
1: right. Our, and you set that I'm, time and for young
0: take a break and that means I had to go to my room and listen music for two hours. No. We're gonna
1: right. set a timer. And so you, you you set you set a timer, but you've agreed on this plan beforehand. That's the key. Right? The and you you get your kids to agree, you're you know, push back your push your teenagers who are pushing back and, and your 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 little kids who just want you to like them. You know, kids mm-hmm. really want attachment, they want connection. Yeah. And so we have to work with them on that desire. And so and and they don't want to argue. And that's mm-hmm. what you have to lean into.
0: Yeah, the the belief that your the kids don't get up in the morning think, thinking, How can I mess up mom's day today? Um, uh-huh. they want to help, they want to uh, do a good job and they're just doing the best they can and they and
1: uh-huh.
0: have different ways of trying to do that that's right you have to do your math that doesn't, uh, doesn't just, oh okay thank you, you need to have the steps to uh, motivate, I really like the idea of uh, planning, writing things out we use a flow chart and put it up on the refrigerator. Put it on the whiteboard where everybody can see it and even look at it at times when that's not what needs to be done right now. But see, this is a plan we came up with together.
1: Correct. And that, to- that, that together part matters. It matters to teens and it matters to six-year-olds.
0: No? mm mm-hmm. So looking at the Self-control, compassion and the collaboration, and it may take convincing, particularly maybe a teenager, hey, let's look at a different way of doing this, and I want your input, and I want you to know I'm open to it, so people, the kids can see this is a different approach.
1: Correct, and, and the fact that you want their input and you're open to it, that's that collaborative piece, they have buy-in. Because what they, kids, particularly with ADHD, spend all day listening to people tell them what they could be doing differently, i.e. better. And they often don't get to have a say in what they're doing or what makes sense to their brain. So when you include them in the process, it's, it, it's, it's absolutely counter to what they expect. And yep. they feel differently about what you're doing.
0: Yep, exactly. And they may be a little surprised or... Kind of a okay, prove it, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and that's where yeah, parents have to be ready for that uh, in terms of absolutely.
1: So absolutely,
0: may well get some pushback or uh, this isn't going to work or those kinds of things.
1: Um,
0: That's correct. Start start with one small thing.
1: Terms of- right and and I think starting small is really the key here because you want to have success you know don't go after the big items that you want to change go after something yeah. smaller because success feeds on success, and when you are able to work together on something that's maybe less of a heated issue, then you can build up the connection and the tools to move on to something that's more heated
0: yeah and uh, the the uh I think a lot of times parents are thinking, okay, you can have the reward when I see your grades at the end of the term. Well, that's way too long away and also much not specific enough. So it's, hey, if we can work together for a couple nights on your homework and saying, great, I'm glad we could sit down and do this. I'm glad you brought up questions to me, so that noticing little things, mm-hmm. which parents may not think you need to do with a 14-year-old, but somebody with ADD, sure do. <laughs> you, you sure do.
1: You sure do. And what happens is you don't notice the little things, and then you spend time criticizing other things. And so there's a, just a tremendous imbalance, and this mm-hmm. leads to both the consistency and the celebration of the last two Cs. You know, what we want to notice is consistent efforting. How is your child trying to do things? How is your child trying to make changes? They may not succeed at them, but they're making small steps in the direction that they need to be going. We have to acknowledge that. We also have to stay steady, which means we can't say we're going to do something and then, you know, do something different as much as we can. There are, of course, except, uh, exceptions yeah. to the rule, and there are times when people forget. Okay, but this, the, 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 the baseline has to be one of steadiness. I say what I'm going to do, and I do it um, mm-hmm. most of the time, not all the time. Sure. Um, because when kids feel like, particularly kids with ADHD, there's mm-hmm. a little bit of latitude to push the boundaries, they're going to push mm-hmm. it. Yep. And, and, and so that celebration the ability to actually spend time validating, acknowledging what's going well is critical for these kids. Because in addition to what I just said, it counteracts the negativity in their brains. You know, these kids tend to have a lot of negative self-talk oh, about, um, and so we want to, to counter, we want to try to um, offer something different than that to help them create more balance in their thinking. You know, Dr. Barbara um wrote a book called Positivity, and she said the positivity ratio should be three positives for every negative. Oh, okay. When I yeah. talk to parents, at least, when I talk to parents and kids about what they think the ratio is of one positive for how many negatives, and the answer I often get is 15 to 20. Yeah. That's what they experience on a day-to-day basis, and that's terrible.
0: Absolutely, and I think parents don't necessarily, well, they don't recognize that that change of tone of voice, the second time they ask something, that comes across as a negative criticism. Uh, cause I think- That's kids, correct. Certainly with ADD, they're sensitive to, yeah, maybe texture, maybe noise, but they're also very sensitive to emotions. So, yep. like, a you know, child will say, stop yelling at me, and it's not an increased volume. It's that edge in the voice, the third time mom asks them to do things. Uh, and, right. And something parents need to understand, that the kids are really, really sensitive, and you have to uh, be aware of
1: them. Well, particularly kids with ADHD, you know, who often may have co-occurring co- rejection sensitive sensitivity dysphoria Mm -hmm. or who just have trouble managing their emotions, emotional control is one of the 11 executive functioning skills. These kids are sensitive because they are trying to pick up cues about when they're off base and when they're missing, when they're missing what people are saying and they're not able to do that in the way that they would like. Um, So they're, Mm -hmm. they're, they're struggling. They're really struggling.
0: And I think the kids are, at least younger ones, teenagers may have given up, but they're mm-hmm. always searching for what is What is it I can do that's right. Uh, and what,
1: what is it that I can do that's right? That's beautiful. I like that.
0: And, and they, if they knew what it was to start with, they'd be doing it. And that's where I think that you know, the ADHD brain can't get there. They don't know any other way of, of doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And people don't have ADD can't understand that there's a different way of interpreting or figuring things out. Uh, and I tell uh, kids or parents sometimes, okay, just try to think your hair blonde. Just think about it and make it. Get <laughs> you can't. <laughs> you couldn't just think it happen. Or okay, take off your glasses and leave the sign over there. What's the matter? You can't? Well, squint harder. You aren't trying hard enough. Don't you want to do this? So people can get the idea of oh, there's something my eyes need an accommodation, I have to wear glasses. Uh mm-hmm. And and I think that's the trickiest thing I've found is to help a parent without ADHD understand the ADHD brain uh, that their child has and some parents get it and they put in the effort and they figure it out and others are just angry and upset and and as we both know if one parent has ADHD there's about a 57 percent likelihood a child does which means the child does oftentimes one parent does and if that's the person who, oftentimes, it's mom that organizes things, gets homework, checks on you have your homework, your backpack, etc. Two people falling apart in different ways makes for uh, makes for problems.
1: Well, I think that also what happens is in families is if there's one parent with ADHD and one parent without and a child with ADHD. Some of the struggles that the non-ADHD parent has uh, with the parent with ADHD are played out again with the child, and so there's, there are a lot of family issues and family dynamics that are very complicated. And, and we want families to work through those with with help with a, a therapist if they need that, or to you know extricate themselves from the conflict and. Get a tutor or get an executive skill, an executive functioning Mm -hmm. skill coach or, or whatever so that there's not, you're not arguing with your child, um, uh, over and over again about the same thing because that creates so much tension in your relationship. I I work with so many families who are having the same argument in different, in different clothing about chores and homework and, Mm You know, we have to really figure again, what is, what are, what are the priorities that you want to work on? And, and if it's, if it's time management, that's the skill that you want to work on. Then let's figure out how you're going to work on that skill, regardless of whether it's doing your chores or going to bed or homework. We're, we're going to take that same skill and look at it in all those areas. And then we're going to share that with the school so that they can work on it too. And that's how progress is made when all the arenas are working Hopefully, yeah. simultaneously in a parallel direction.
0: And uh, while we're talking, that brings up to me situations of split family, okay? One parent or the other, whether it's the one with or without ADHD, obviously they split because something wasn't working already. And it can be tricky to get the buy in of, yeah, you know, it's important to look at this. You can't just let your son play uh, video games all the time. When he's at dad's house, and mom's house, he's told, well, you have to do this and this and this because nothing's really been done otherwise. So getting both parents on board, that this is important for your child. Um, and, of course, that gets into the other dynamics of whatever is or has gone on between the parents. So it can be
1: it can and a lot of times parents divorce because they don't want to deal with the other person and when you share children you are married in a way for life because you yes. will share those children for the rest of your life and what where i see many many divorced or separated or split families struggle is that the child is not the priority yes. the 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 the, the so-called relationship with the ex is the priority. You know, how yeah. I'm going to do it, you know, either get back then or do it mm-hmm. my way, I don't care, or whatever it is. And yeah. really, the, thing, the question that has to be asked is, what serves the child? What is in the child's best interest? And really, the best marker of children post a split is how their parents can get along. So you don't have to have have exactly the same rules at both houses, but you need to have some similar rules. Like bedtime has to be, can't be nine o'clock at one house and 11 at the other. Mm -hmm. You know, how are you going to work together to give semi-similar, if you can't give similar messages, semi-similar messages so that your child um, isn't growing up learning to be different with different people Mm -hmm. to get what they want and then sort of learn a particular code of being manipulative.
0: Yeah, There's an excellent uh, book, Putting Children First, which is exactly about that whole thing in terms of in divorce, all right, make your child a focus. and You can figure th- other things out on your own, but you have to put the children first. Uh, it's written by Dr. Joanne Pedro Carroll. Uh, and it's, it's an excellent book looking at, she looks at, and if anecdotes or uses examples of different kids, it's not just here are the steps kind of thing. But uh, getting, I think it can help get parents' attention that, oh, yes, that's what we want. Each of them hopefully could say, yes, I want the best for my child. Okay, you got to figure out ways the two of you can approach that. And yeah, they're going to be different. Ways to do it, but uh, when one is letting video games all the time and the other has to pay attention to the chores, or like you say, the bedtimes are different. uh, That's that's crazy making for the child. What it amounts to?
1: It is. It is truly crazy making, David. And and I think parents don't fully grasp how complicated it is, particularly for kids with ADHD who struggle all day at school to hold it together um mentally um you know in terms of cognition uh, emotionally physically and then they come home and they're switching they have to remember which rules go in which house how to behave with which person uh, i worked with a client who had adhd and he he basically um uh, had they had this custody thing where it was 5 days on 5 days off it was it was crazy making. It was truly crazy making because he never knew when he was going where. I mean, he was tense, and mm-hmm. you know, we talked with the parents about could you do a week on, a week off, and then in your non-week, have dinner. You know, make sure that there were two two points of contact. You know, because a week is a long yeah. time when you're ten. You know, what oh, could yeah. you do that would make the tr- make fewer transitions for your child? These parents, you know, one was willing to talk about it, one wasn't. And so mm-hmm. that's how it was. And that was really sad. That was very sad for me. So we've got to really think about how much of a struggle it is for these kids with ADHD. You know, I worked with another kid who was a teenager, and he 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 was basically one week on, one week off. But he was extremely disorganized, and he kept all his stuff in the trunk of his car. He uh, <laughs> yes, had <was> a huge... <laughs> He had a huge duffel bag in the trunk of his car because he couldn't remember, like, what if he needed something? So anything that he could possibly need, he put in the trunk of his car. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, nice. I, I, I that it worked beautiful. for him. Yeah. Some families have two of everything. You have one at your dad's house, one at your yep. mom's house, or if you have two moms, one at each mom's house, or two dads, mm-hmm. one at each Whatever. dad's house. You know, <clears throat> that helps. Um, I think it's just worth remembering how hard it is for these kids to, to make transitions, to shift from one thing to another, to remember all the details of life,
0: mm-hmm. and, I, and that gets into the second of those five C's, the compassion.
1: Correct. Right. Exactly.
0: Really stepping back and looking at it, it probably many parents would take, "Okay, where can I find some resource online or a book or key?" Maybe Dr. Sarah's saline book is going to work. Um, so that they can understand what that means. Because I think most parents would say, Oh yeah, I want the best for my child. Okay, do you really understand the fact that they're trying and no, they can't remember all these details or they're not going to always remember uh, their planner or their lunch, whatever. It's not because they don't care. Their minds get too many things going. So the strategies uh, definitely help, but also the parents have to start where the child is, not where they think the child should
1: be. And and to remember that kids with ADHD respond very well to visual cues. Get a whiteboard. Write Mm -hmm. down what's happening every day for a week. So your child can look at the board and see what's going on. Even teenagers, that's helpful to them. Then you don't have to be reminding them and telling them. You can just say, check the board. These things teach kids both how to sequence, how to plan, and how to organize. And then you are not a reminder machine. You're directing them towards something where they're learning how to interpret and take in the plan that's laid out.
0: Yep. And it's the board that's giving the idea is not parents saying well you're supposed to do this and this and that so it's a neutral
1: so that reduces more tension
0: yeah and you
1: know there's there's a statistic you know that David um, Rabiner of Duke University found out and he he basically did research on families with ADHD and he found that parents uh, of ADHD kids report 83% more stress than those of neurotypical kids. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. we we want to try to reduce that stress as much as possible, and that's why I wrote my book, because I was interested in, in improving connection, the big C, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. with these five Cs. How can you connect more positive, positively with your child and teach them the skills that they need to be a successful, independent, productive adult?
0: hmm. Yeah. And, and I know parents have usually have that goal, but they aren't sure how to get there. And particularly then when they have a child that, well, they aren't paying attention, they're losing homework, da 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 da. That's, you get into those negatives instead of look, let's look at what the, the strengths are. Um, well, we're coming to the um, end of the time we have, and it's been very helpful, uh, Sharon, to look at in some detail these uh, five C's I think it's a great summary um, each of which can be unpacked certainly but that's a, a good uh, perspective to look at and I'd say uh, for my uh, two cents I guess that the, the compassion and start where your child is and don't blame them for what isn't working Look at yourself and say, okay, I've got to realize my child's doing the best he or she can. How can I help support that?
1: That sounds perfect to me, and that is the goal. How can we support our kids to become the best people they can possibly be?
0: Absolutely. So with that, we'll end the chapter of ADHD Focus. My guest has been Dr. Sharon Saline, and we'll talk to you soon thanks for listening